love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski here with my co-host, Haley Chura. And Haley, I feel like we are both entering kind of the thicks of our thicks of our seasons. We'll say you are getting ready for Ironman Coeur d'Alene. I am ramping up training for the one water race in Sweden in August. And I feel like our listeners should know that like the um the ebb and flow of our brain cells is like definitely more on the ebbing this time of year in terms of like creative things to say, because as I sit here before talking to you, I'm like, what have I done fun in my week that I can talk to Haley about? And I'm like, um, petted Ramona, did some swimming, like <laughs> not I too much is going fun. on in life. Okay. Okay. Do I- tell. I wore sunscreen today, which is like always a really good thing. When you live in these like Northern climates, you know, usually I'm like, please, I need the sun's rays. I'm vitamin D deficient inside tracker told me. Um, but you know, it actually was incredibly sunny today and, um, I wore some sunscreen and I felt kind of excited about that. I, I feel like I still have like a little bit of a glow, you know, cause it's, oh, you can see a little light. Oh, little I see light. that. Yeah. It's coming along nicely. <laughs> um, that like, is one jersey. thing I am not missing yet or not getting yet. And I'm not missing it is that like cyclist triathlete, all of the lines tan. Um, do you dislike, do you dislike tan lines? Um, no, I actually do like them. I get, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say I like them, but I, I like to get, tan (laughs) I mean I know it's not great for you but like to do it safely people right so um I do like that part of a tan line because it means that I'm not as white as the bottom of the pool is anymore but and I feel like just it gives you like healthy feelings right um I like a healthy glow I think I like I know I'm like, I'll pay for it, the wrinkles, but I just try to make up with it was smiling a lot. Cause I'm like, I just got to work my smile wrinkles, my crow's feet. I'm like, just make sure the wrinkles are in the right places. Um, I don't, think I got these, this is actually hilarious. So I got, um, I, I did, I like a month or two ago, I went on this rabbit hole because I was so nervous about the wrinkles and everything from the sun and like my hands, I started feeling like, oh my gosh, I ruined my hands from sun exposure. And I don't know, one thing led to me to another. And I started using, forehead stickers <laughs> instead of Botox. Cause I was like, okay, I'm not going to go through Botox, right? Like I'm not going to do this, but like, I do feel like I'm getting to that age when I'm getting wrinkles on my forehead. And so then literally my thoughts, right. And I'm sure I must've like typed something into a search bar somewhere. And then I started getting all these ads for now you're going to get them because your phone's going to hear this conversation, Haley. And so <laughs> God, headphones are for, I got, <laughs> um, they are called frownies people. Um, and you put them on before bed, you like layer up the stickers before bed. And first of all, they definitely would work. I also was inspired, um, cause a friend had said she uses them for like revitalizing her eyes after wearing goggles for a long time, you know? So I was like, I'm just going to get patches for like my whole face, right? Like do the whole thing and see what happens. Cause it's like harmless. And I haven't been super diligent about wearing them and I wish I would, I need to put them somewhere that I remember before bed to put them on. But the days I have remembered, you definitely notice a difference. I bet if you were diligent, you would, it would be good. And like, if you needed a really short-term fix for something that like a meeting or a date or something you were doing the next day, I would totally do these patches. I think they're fun easy. So, okay. So like, I do (laughs) have this conversation with my athletes sometimes with like, I can't swim because I have a presentation and I'm like, I have been swinging in the morning since I was 11 years old. I have never noticed goggle marks on my face. And so I'm like, is this just my normal state of being? Do I just not notice them? I've never done any. I'm like, I like, no one has ever said anything to me. And, um, but maybe that's just like, I like that look. Like, some I think that might well, be it. But some people's skin definitely is more attuned to it than others too. That's a thing. Um, I think hydration plays into it. I think your skin color plays into it. I think how tight you wear your goggles and like, you probably wear pretty, thin goggles, Haley. I think the people who wear like the, you know how it's like more of a thing now to wear bigger goggles. I think those are like really create some, some impressions on people's face. 
I think uh, I just like the goggle lines. I think yes. I like the wrinkles. I think I'm just going to embrace all that. I do not have time to put any stickers. Sorry, <laughs> but, um, but I'll be here for team wrinkle. Yeah. Well, I'll keep you posted. Um, if anything, but for now it appears to be a safe alternative to Botox everyone in case you're interested. Your skin looks um, beautiful through the zoom. Thanks. I know it does. It actually doesn't look wrinkly on zoom, which is very appreciated. So, um, we like that. We like zoom. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you can tell, very exciting things happening over here in my world. So, um, are you, wait, you are doing a race in June though, right? I don't know the date of it. Is it the same I, weekend as Coeur d'Alene? It is. It's a, well, what day is Coeur d'Alene? It's probably right after the 25th. June 25th. So mm-hmm. I start the race the 26th on Monday and it's That's a five day race. So we finish oh. on the next Saturday. So, um, it's a, like a, Wait, so I, am, race. I, am I recording a, a solo? <laughs> yes, we, yeah. We need to uh, discuss how we'll handle that, uh, that, that uh, episode week, I guess, but because in my head we would record before, but don't worry, everyone, we will figure this out ahead of time. Um, but uh, yeah, so we are racing just around the same time. It will be a racing bonanza. Wait, um, so five days in what country? In Pennsylvania. Um, and so this race is actually put on by Iron Women podcast guest, guest Abby Perkis, Dr. Abby Perkis um, of Rootstock Racing. So it is their expedition race that comes to Pennsylvania in June. And I'm going to get to see a lot of Pennsylvania trekking, mountain biking, paddling, and I've been doing some rock climbing to learn. There's going to be a rock climbing section, Haley. So, um, yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll have to figure out. Maybe we can do an open call to, uh, to, if anyone wants to co-host that week (laughs) and and, and, AKA, let me talk about Coeur d'Alene to them. Or we can borrow someone from our sister podcast on the new people might have noticed that our podcast feed is now the feisty triathlon feed feisty try feed and not iron women podcast and that's because if we were riding has evolved into like a group ride versus just sarah and sarah riding so maybe one of them can come over and and help get you the post race because we do need that post race debrief like i think pretty maybe well if it goes bad that's fine we'll just take a week (laughs) off um but uh i think I know. I think that the new, if we were writing, I, I did get a couple concerned, uh, text messages from people. So thank you to everyone who did reach out, who was like, wait, where did I and women go? Because in your feed, you might've noticed it changed to feisty. Try is the name of the channel. Now the logo is feisty. Try it's a little bit different. Um, still great content. Alyssa and I will still be on there with iron women every week, but iron women comes out on Thursday. And now you'll notice on Friday, another show pops up if we were writing, which used to be on its separate feed, but, um, now that is Sarah True, Kelly O'Mara returns, Jocelyn Wong, who has been a guest on our show several times, uh, joins that show and Khadija Diggs, who has also, I think one outspoken woman of the year, just friends, friends of feisty are officially feisty, I guess. And part of that podcast. So, um, it is a little bit more of a round table discussion if you haven't listened to it already, but now it's very easy if, cause if you're subscribed to us, it'll pop up automatically. <laughs> Yes. We, we couldn't make it any easier for everyone. Um, so that is really exciting. And Haley, we would normally be going into our mailbag segment of the week this week, but our mailbag is dry. So everyone can send in mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. I know these questions are out there because I get questions sometimes that people just need to email them to our mailbag so that we have them there and people are racing. You guys have race questions. I know they're out there. So jot down a few and send them over to us when you can. Yeah, but we do have a really fun interview this week. I feel like this is fun. You know, it's another one that's like a sort of a path to Paris themed, which there was a lot of, a lot of racing, you know, last weekend in Italy that we talked about both Katie's Paris and Gwen. Jorgensen did get to start there, but you know, it was Taylor Spivey who from the USA, who, who landed on the podium in third there, Georgia Taylor Brown first. I'm like going through some last minute, uh, race results that came in, but if anyone didn't watch that, you can watch that triathlon. What is it? Triathlonlive.org um, or yeah. TV triathlonlive.tv, I think is where you can watch that, those, um, those things, but we, we are loving following all the drama as we have mentioned several, several weeks in a row of people trying to qualify for the Paris Olympics, just 
a little over a year away. And this is a, a new one that we have this week, a new athlete perspective, right? Yes. Yes. So this was super fun. We talked to Hana Alnabulsi today, and she is aiming to become the first female citizen of the United Arab Emirates to compete in triathlon in the Olympics. And we talked to her about how she found endurance sports at the young age of 16 years old, her transition from there to triathlon, the local triathlon community in Dubai, and the short film, The Iron Woman, which you can watch in the metaverse. And we talk a little bit about the metaverse in the interview as well. So you'll get to learn all about that. Um, we'll link to that in the show notes too. But this was a really fun conversation with Hannah to get the details of her plans as she kind of races with Paris in her sights for 2024. And we'll have that up next for you. Hannah, welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> So I wanted to start out by talking kind of about your introduction to endurance sports. And as I read some interviews with you, I feel like there was one major fact that people would say and then move on, right? And they weren't really digging into. And that was, you know, we'll get into your triathlon career here in a second. But I read that you ran your first 242 kilometer race or 150 miles for our American listeners here and at the age of 16 years old. So I'm dying to know, like, what was that race? How did you, you know, end up doing such a big feat at 16 years old? Yeah, honestly, so I actually had an interview today and I brought that up and she's like, wait, how did your parents even allow you at that age? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I actually question it right now. I'm like, how did they actually let me do that? But like, whatever, <laughs> it happens. Um, so initially, so like there was something in our school where the, our coach, like our track coach, would always do this, like that to red ultra marathon. And then he brought it to our attention that like, I think I was like 14 years old or something. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I, I want to do that. Like, what is it? And he's like, okay, um, it's a whole qualifying system. Like you can't just sign up and do it. Um, like we had to do a bleep test. And then if you pass the bleep test, you go and do on, like you go into a second stage, like a couple months later where you do like a six hour run nonstop. And then if you're able to complete that, you, you are qualified to actually do it. So initially I tried out, I tried doing this bleep test and I, didn't qualify um so that kind of for me I just became so stubborn I was like no I just want to do I want to do like well, what's going on like I just want to do this ultra marathon so the following year um I kept training that whole year like I was always in track and cross uh, cross country uh, running so my coach knew that was my objective during that period so like he'd always like push me during the weekends like I'd go for like three hour runs or whatever it was um so and then the qualifying time came the following year and then I passed the bleep test. And at the time, I actually didn't know there was a second qualifying round. I was like, yay, amazing. And I, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, wow, I did it. Uh, and we were training for God knows how long. I think it was like a good year. Like it was a good year. But like halfway through, like I want to say eight months in, we had the second round of qual uh, uh, qualification. So he calls me. He's like, okay, so the next run's going to be on Thursday. It's a six hour run. And I said, I'm like, what do you mean it's a six hour run? Like that's the qualify. Like how, how do you expect me to run for six hours? He's like, kind of you're not going to just be running for six hours. You're going to be running for like two days. I was like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> so, and then I go do this six hour run and I was fine. Like I did the run. And then after I'm like, oh, like we're done. He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And then I just went and met up with my friends that night and I just went on with my day. I was like, wow. Okay. That was like, I was, I was shocked. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Okay. And then um, I went and did this ultra marathon and <laughs> it was one till this day, I will say it was the hardest thing in my life. And this was 10 years ago. Like and I've done so many other races after that, like this specific race, like I remember, like, so we had the support bus um, and we had a group of people doing it as well. So like whenever we needed to hydrate, we jumped into the bus, get our hydration, jump back out. So I remember at some point I jumped back out and I fell um, and I was just bleeding all over. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I look at my coach. I'm like, I, I don't want to do this. He's like, Hannah, you've literally been training for this for like two years. Like, you know, you're finishing this. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I'm, I'm in so much pain. He's like, Hannah, it's just the adrenaline. Just keep going. Like, just keep, he threw like a, like a Starbucks sugar sachet on me. Like he literally just threw, he's just take it and keep going. I'm like, what? He's like, just keep going. He's like, even if you need to walk, just walk, but just keep going. So I ate that sugar and I just kept going. And I honestly, like towards the end, I don't even remember it's so clearly like if I were to even think back, I'm like, I actually have like blocked memory. Um, but I do remember I passed out for like two days after this race. Like I literally was gone. <laughs> like It was insane. And I remember when I finished that, I called up my parents. I'm like, guys, I did it. They're like, Hannah, there's no way. Like, I think in their heads as well, they're like, 
there's no way that like, she actually did this race. I had to send them a photo of proof of me doing it, like me at the finish line with my medal. Like it was honestly one of the most insane experiences of my life. But like to me right now, like whoever asks me, I'm like, I honestly wouldn't do it again just because for me <laughs> one time and then after that I went and did ultras but like they were much smaller like they were like 50 kilometers um 60 kilometers but none of them were 242 kilometers like that was like the peak and like I think also like I feel like maybe there was a part of me because I was so young as well like thinking back I'm like was I 16 and I look at the photos I'm like no I was 16 like I was 16 years old when I did this like <laughs> uh, but yeah like it was uh it was an experience I'll never forget. Like it's, um, it, it changed me. Like it made me who I am today, honestly. <laughs> Did you grow up with, uh, like, was your family into endurance sports at all? Or was it just this coach and, and being a track athlete that got you into endurance sports? With my family and not at all. Like they're into biking, they're into strength training. Um, I was the only one that was into running. And I think I was exposed to endurance sports because of my coach. Like he came from England and he was just very like he was very obsessed with like because uh, at the time this was in Jordan so I lived in Jordan for a couple of years and in Jordan there was a lot of like ultra marathons and like there's a huge scene especially with the western that live in Jordan um, so there was a huge scene there so he exposed me to that at like a very young age um, and I just like I just loved it like for me like running was always like my my therapy or like my healing like it was I never saw it as really as something like oh I have to do this or like Oh, I like for me running till now, whenever I see it on my like my training plan, I'm like, okay, great. And I go out. It's like the one thing I get so excited about. Um, were, but were the other kids doing this too? Or was it just so, you? No, so there was another six kids, but three of them stopped. And then it was just me and one of my best friends actually. So but she's got she got really injured, like really badly injured from that race. She hasn't been able to run ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh like she injured her knee really badly and like she felt it halfway through but she was like like we were kind of on the same boat like throughout the whole like journey so she just continued knowing that she like she basically like really hurt herself um but yeah no like so towards the end it was just three of us like we started off as six and then it was just three and then our coach is just like yelling from this bus like it was just like <laughs> pretty <many> times <laughs> and so at 16, you knew about the world of endurance sports and you're, you're 25 now, I think. So, you know, when was it in the last decade that you heard about triathlon? Kind of how did that sport come into play? Was it the same coach who said, oh, there's also this other sport called triathlon? So no. Um, so now I have a different coach. My coach back then was my high school coach, like my track coach. Um, so in 2019, I finished university and I like my family know how I am like in the sense of like I love doing like these what they would refer to as ridiculous races um <laughs> so one of my cousins comes to me he's like oh Hannah like have you heard of Ironman I'm like what's like I've never even heard of the triathlon in the past like before that I'm like what's Ironman and I started looking into it I'm like wow this is this is insane it's like a four kilometer swim 180 kilometer bike ride a 42 kilometer run like how do people do this he's like I, I bet you can't do it I'm like no, no, like, I, like, why can't I? He was like, okay, fine, like, let's bet on it. In, in two years, uh, you do an Ironman. I was like, no, 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 in one year, I'll do an Ironman. And mm-hmm. then he was like, okay, fine. So I signed up for an Ironman thinking it was a full Ironman. So for a whole, I think it was a good six months, I'm training as if it was a full Ironman. And at this point, I had no guidance. Like, it was just me and YouTube and Google. Um, and lockdown came into play, like, and it was, and I was in Toronto at the time. So I'm training, training, training. And then a friend of mine was like, oh, I want to do Ironman with you. Like, send me the race that you're doing. And so I signed up for the Cozumel race. And Cozumel has two. They have the full Ironman and they have the 70.3. So I sent him the link. He's like, Hannah, you're not doing a full Ironman. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm doing a full Ironman. He's like, no, Hannah, you're, you're doing a 70.3. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, the email says Ironman. It doesn't say 70.3. And then he showed me, like, his link or whatever it was. He's like, it's right there. I was like, oh, my God. So I actually signed up for 70.3. I was like, okay, well, I guess I don't need to train as much as I've been training. <laughs> and I just like cut my training in half. Um, and then, yeah, I went and did the first 70.3. And then I went and did the second 70.3 in Dubai. Uh, but in between all of that, like I was doing a lot of triathlons. Um, I kind of just got obsessed with the whole world. Like since like the whole triathlon world, when I heard about Ironman, I'm like, wow, this is insane. Like there's there's a whole bunch of people that are doing this. And at the time, 
I didn't really know anyone that was doing Ironman, but like now it's very different. Like I feel like I entered this whole like triathlon world and it's like every other person has done an Ironman. I'm like, wow, like I love these people. Like they're insane. Um, but yeah. <laughs> it is a funny community. I, we read that one of your early triathlons was the Tri Dubai Women's Triathlon. Can you talk yeah. about that race specifically? So I did, I think I did two of them. So the first one I did was a sprint triathlon. Um, and this was before doing the Ironman because I was trying to understand exactly what a triathlon was. I was like, I, I should try to do one before actually going and just doing a 70.3. So I traveled to Dubai to do it. And it's a pretty, it's like, it's pretty cool because it's only women. And like in the UAE, they really try to advocate um, uh, sports for women because it's not very like, like it, within the culture, like it's like there's a lot of limitations in that sense, like in the sense of swimming, like you'll find a lot of women that are like wearing hijab and stuff and they think that they can't run or like they can't bike or like swim. But like, I feel like a lot has changed since then, like women are really finding their ways. Um, and a lot of brands have actually catered to women wearing hijab. Uh, but that specific race, I remember doing it. I was like, wow, what, like, what the hell? Like these transitions, I had no idea what I was doing. Like it was like my first ever like triathlon is a sprint. So it was pretty small. Um, and I finished that and I remember I got third in my age group I was like wait what like I remember leaving the race and a friend of mine calling me she's like can I like uh they're calling you out on the podium like you got third place for your age group I'm like oh what okay well <laughs> that's great uh at the time as well I had no idea what that even meant like I was just doing it for like the experience um but it was pretty insane like you'd think going in like that was my my thought process at the time I was like oh it's not gonna be that aggressive like it's gonna be very easy in the sea like everything's gonna be cool and nice I went into the sea it was a jungle like I, I'm sitting there I'm like oh my god like my goggles my, my swimming cap like people are hitting me I'm like what's going on and like everyone's attacking I'm like okay women are crazy too like <laughs> this is not just this is not just the men no no it's us too um so I remember that was a huge shocker for me like going in I'm like oh my god my chip I need to make sure no one like rips off my chip and all I was thinking about was just my gear not falling off because like everyone was just on top of me under me hitting me and I'm like <laughs> this was crazy uh, but it was one of the most liberating experiences of my life because also seeing the community that was there it was it was insane like it was it was like a family like it was it was so beautiful it was one of the nicest experiences ever and I think that's kind of what like enticed the whole like obsession of triathlons for me I was like this is such a beautiful world and I don't feel like people really understand it just like how I didn't understand it and then I started to educate myself a lot more on triathlons and like Ironman 70.3s and all that do you feel like that women's only environment was kind of different than when you went on to experience, you know, this, the swim starts aside, which are crazy, no matter who is out there. Right. But do you think <laughs> that community aspect that hooked you was something unique to the women's only race, or is it more of the bigger picture of triathlon as a sport? No, I think it was, it's the bigger picture of the triathlon as a sport. Like it was, it was so beautiful seeing such a huge group of women doing it and a lot of Arab women doing it. Um, and a lot of like Emiratis doing it and stuff like it was it was so nice seeing that um so I think it was just everything like the the triathlon world both genders only female gender it was just it's so beautiful and it was something that really attracted me to the the, the community like it was very like okay while you're in the race to each their own but then after the race it was just like it was just like a huge big family and um everyone's just sitting down having coffee like where everyone's just mingling and getting to know each other like it was an experience I didn't experience in the past like in like run races and stuff like it was so different to um triathlons and so at some point during your triathlon uh journey you abandoned the uh long course long distance events and decided to focus more on the olympics so can you talk to us about that that part of your your triathlon career that I think you're still in right now yeah so it's actually it was kind of crazy it was I want to say a year and a half ago um I was I was improving like significantly in my numbers uh specifically I would say my swim and my bike my run I would say was pretty steady throughout the the journey and like I am now like knocking off seconds and like uh like my goal for like my run is to get down to like a 315 uh per kilometer pace like so I'm like trying to head there um but with like swimming specifically I started seeing like a huge difference like in like the the like I was dropping my numbers drastically I was like okay like I'm obsessed with this and I love the crazy challenges in the sense like obviously the Olympics is the Olympics it's like the bar is so high for that 
um, and the UAE is still new in that aspect and like getting athletes into the Olympics. So for me, I was like, okay, let me do this. Like, I want to get into the Olympics. Like, why not? I started researching it, talking to coaches, uh, coaches uh, talking to people that have been to the Olympics, um, like in the, from, from the Middle East and the UAE, and trying to understand the whole Olympic um, world. Because obviously it's very different to uh, doing the age group um, races. So the more I started to understand that, I was like, okay, this is, this is actually a possibility. I just need to keep dropping these numbers down. And this is only with time that I'll be able to do that. I got in contact with the Federation, the UAE Triathlon Federation, tried to understand what they need from me for me to join the, the team. Um, it was kind of like a step-by-step process. And then I remember last July, there was a, cert- there was a sprint race I had to uh, do to hit a certain number that they wanted. Uh, in Toronto so I remember me and my coach were working towards that specifically and I literally hit that number on the dot um, and that was like I think one of the greatest like feelings of my life because like it was the training getting up to that was insane and then from that it was kind of like step-by-step process um, uh, getting into so I'm currently now I, I did two elite races with World Triathlon um, I still have like a whole bunch now coming up in the summer and then um, in December and November and then like the cutoff period is basically for qualification is in May. Um, so it's still like a whole process and um, it's been insane, but like it's what I'm seeing, it's very like, I, I see myself there, like it's gonna happen. Um, it's just like now, like the work is like, the workload is a lot more, it's a lot more intensified as well. Like I wouldn't say like the hours have increased a lot. I would say like per hour, the, like the, what is it called? I forgot it. Um, Inten- intensity, yeah of each training like my strain on my body is much higher because we're trying to hit like like especially like getting into that world like each second matters and for me right now my biggest focus is my swim because my swim is my weakest um sport in triathlon and looking at the numbers in the olympics it's like okay i need to i need to be done uh the 1.5 swim within 20 minutes max and i'm a few minutes away from that so i'm like okay we got this we have one year it's gonna happen like it's um like now also in the summer like i'm going into like i'm going to uh, france i'm going to be training in the alps for the summer so i could stay in like high altitude and get my lungs into that capacity like the uh, really compressed capacity so i could hit those numbers hopefully by uh, the goal is by like september i wouldn't say like that's my personal goal um so yeah it's been a crazy journey like it's um my dream is like turning into the reality and like it's 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 insane. <laughs> like, I have no other words. Like, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> what about the part of this being that you would be the first woman UAE citizen to compete in triathlon in the Olympics? I, what part of this journey did you realize you'd be the first? Did you know that going in? So I did know that going in. And that was one of actually the one of my whys to why I want to do this. Um, I've always been a person that likes to break the status quo. I, I don't like being put in a certain like box or whatever it is. Like, I feel like maybe from my, my ultra story, like you guys could kind of get that from my personality. Like it's, I just don't like people thinking they can't do something and putting gender in that. Like sometimes it used to infuriate me where it's like, no, like a woman shouldn't be doing this or a woman, this is not for a woman. I'm like, what do you mean it's not for a woman? Like, ooh, like, well, like what century are we living in? So like, for me, it was kind of like, I want to break that. I want to, I want to be that person that's going to pave the pathway for the woman after me. And I want to show the world and show the UAE that like, this is, this is a, you know, like, thankfully, like, I'm so grateful with like, with the UAE, like they've been such a support system to me and like, they are pushing me like they, uh, from the first day I decided this, like I, I've ne- I never imagined the amount of support that I'd be getting from them. So I'm very grateful for that. And like, they see this as well as an opportunity. It's like, okay, like, this is how we're going to start getting more female athletes into this, like slowly, slowly, step by step. They're watching more women getting into sports. And this is what we need. Like, there's a lot of people I've met here that have so much talent, but like for them, it's like, nah, like, I, I don't think it's like, they, they, I don't know what it is exactly really, but like, they just don't want to go into the pro lane. And I'm like, why? Like there's, you guys have a talent. Like there's a lot of track women here that are insane. A lot of swimmers that are insane. Like it's crazy. So I really want to pave that pathway. So whoever's after me could know exactly what to do. Cause like being the first one doing this, it's, it's obviously it's a bit confusing at times. I'm like, okay, I, I don't know what I'm meant to do next. I'm not, not really sure. So I have, thankfully like my coach is very well experienced in this world and he is guiding me as well as 
um, that yeah, he's like guiding me throughout this whole process. Um, so it's it's honestly like it's it's insane, and I'm so grateful. And I really do hope like whoever after me does this does better than me and just keeps killing it and gets a gold medal for us one day. Like it's it's insane, you know. Like it's the the opportunity is there. We just need to grab it and we just need to keep fighting for it. So I'm I'm so grateful that I'm in a position where I'm able to do it. Um, and hopefully it does happen. Hopefully no injuries in this way. Like till now, like I've had one shoulder injury and I'm like, no, 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 keep the shoulders. Like this is, this is, this is not where we want to do it. Like this is not where, like, especially the shoulders, like I need them for my swimming. Um, but like, hopefully it does work out. And like, it's, it's, it's an honor for me to be able to represent the UAE. Like it's such a beautiful country, uh, so much talent over here. And, um, I'm excited for what's to come next. Like I'm excited what, what's gonna happen after me. Like it's it's an insane world. Like there is this little girl, her name's Afra. She's 12 years old and she's obsessed with triath uh, triathlons. She's the cutest human being on the planet. She, her numbers are insane. And her watching me doing what I'm doing is also inspiring her. She's like, okay, like I wanna get into the junior Olympics. I'm like, yeah, Afra, you do it. Like go there, get it. Like she and her little sister as well. She's like a, a gymnast. And those two girls as well are going to be pioneers in the sports world in the UAE. And I can't wait to see it. So I'm glad to be also part of their journey into this whole world. Hannah, after you raced Cozumel 70.3, you were receiving a lot of press because you became the youngest UAE citizen to race an Ironman 70.3. And then now with publicly stating your goals of being the first female UAE triathlete to go to the Olympics, like you also are getting more press and attention and, you know, you you definitely have shared these positive sides and said like UAE Federation is very supportive and things like that, but are there, you know, state publicly stating these big goals can also invite a lot of criticism and sometimes negative views and things like that. So have you experienced much of that and how, I mean, you seem so incredibly positive and focused and just really like, you know, hellbent for lack of a better word on getting your goal no matter what so do you have a strategy to and I you know I agree I think pu publicly stating these big goals and putting them out there for followers and young children to see is so so important um especially in in your shoes where you will be the first at something so do you have strategies or how do you handle any kind of criticism or negative attitudes that you found along the way so honestly like I'm very transparent. I'm here. Like I, like I'm as clear as one can be when it comes to any of this. I have been criticized quite a lot. Like it's um, and but that criticism to me, like it, it kind of happened from the beginning of me in sports in general. Um, me doing my first ultra, me doing whatever race I was doing, and that to me for some reason I don't know why. Like I've tried to try to understand that. I'm like, is it an ego thing? Is it I don't know what it is, but it really drives me. Like it really like. If anything, I'm like, yeah, just, just, I just want whoever does, whoever does say that, I, I want them to remember that they said it. It's like, because my, like, let's say my determination in the sense in sports and in leveling myself up is, I would say like my, my whys and my purposes are so strong that I'm like, I really don't care what you guys are saying, but at the same time, I use that to fuel me because I don't want anyone to ever like, like my future goals, let's say, in like besides sports, like me participating in the sports world, is I want to actually create a center for underdogs, uh, which I am, which is the underdogs are not seen. They are seen as the underdogs and they're not really appreciated and they're criticized. And a lot of the times that is the reason why they haven't become champions. So for me, it's like, okay, I'm the underdog right now. And one day I won't be the underdog. And then the same people that have said, Oh, you're not gonna do it like why are you doing this to yourself like why, why are you publicly saying it or whatever it is i want them to remember like oh sh actually we've actually met an underdog that became an olympian and you know i want them to remember that because this is how perception changes and this is how other people get chances in doing things where some people don't believe they'll be able to do and the whole belief system is what will get anyone there so for me it's like i even i have actually have notes all over my room i have um did you ever watch Ted Lasso, the, the series? Oh, we so, love you know, it, yeah. So I actually have that on top of my door. So every morning I come out, I see it. And then I have a whole bunch of quotes and just reminders of where I was, where I am, my milestones. So I could just always remember that when I hear that negative banter around me. Um, because it's something that I can't avoid, you know, like it was something I was, I, I was ready for. Like it was something I've experienced many times. 
um, even with the 70.3, uh, the ultras, um, whatever race I've honestly done, actually. Like, I remember I did one race. This was pretty silly from my end, but I had an injured knee and I did an ultra with an injured knee and I got even more injured, obviously, after that. And I couldn't run for two months, but like I even got criticized on that. I was like, no. And I think it was like there was just no more voices in these moments. I'm like, I just want to get to the end because there is nothing that I see that is impossible. Like it's and I, like I, it sounds so cliche. It's like nothing is impossible, you know, or like I did that as like motor. It's like I'm important. Like I'm, I don't have to pronounce it, but I'm possible or whatever it is. Um, but it's true. You know, like if you genuinely believe in something, then it's really like cancel out that noise and make it happen. But there have been moments where it has gotten to me, I'm not going to lie, in some of my races where I knew that eyes were on me. And within these races, like I got so stressed that I ended up vomiting. Um, initially, I used to think it was like, oh, is it my nutrition? Maybe I'm taking the wrong thing. But I'm like, I take this stuff all the time. Like, why is it in these, the, these specific races that I react this way? Like, I remember one, there was a race in Abu Dhabi, the, one of the world triathlon races, the last 300 meters, like I could see the finish line. And I, I don't know what happened. My whole stomach just flipped and I couldn't stop vomiting. And after that, I'm like, okay, there's something wrong. And then I noticed the, specific, the races that I was really stressed because I knew the pressure was on me were the races that I couldn't uh, keep my stomach intact. So it does, it does get to me subconsciously um, without me actually noticing till I actually notice. I'm like, oh, wow. Because like end of the day, there is that always that small self-doubt. It's like, will I do it? Will I get there? But I'm like, why wouldn't I? Like, I'm training so much. I'm seeing the numbers. I'm looking at things quantitatively. Uh, I shouldn't look at it emotionally or qualitatively. Like, I'm, the numbers are there, you know? It's like, just believe and just cancel out the noise. Um, so I do hope one day, like, those people that have said that to me, don't go and apply that to the next person after me. Because it does, it does get to them. But I'm, I'm grateful that I'm able to, I actually use that as, like, fuel for me. It's like, no. I want to prove them wrong or like but it's not why I do it but it just fuels me <laughs> if you get what I mean can you tell us a little bit about training in Dubai I know you mentioned going to the Alps this summer but I think you're in Dubai right now is there a good community do you have good uh facilities and access to good training conditions honestly so I've trained in many places in the world I would say Dubai is the best place to train not in the summer but I would say like in the winter time so we have, um, because there's a huge cycling uh, community here and a huge running community here, and I'd say also a huge swimming community, um, the government has actually, they've built cycling tracks specifically only for cyclists. So no cars are allowed there. Uh, no runners are allowed there. There's one that has, so there's one called Qudra. It's a, there's three loops. So there's a 43 kilometer loop and then there's a 65 and there is a hundred. And then there's one that's a hundred and something. I can't remember. I think it's 105. And it's literally only, and it's in the middle of the desert. So it's beautiful. Like there's wildlife all around you. There's all these gazelles, like, like running past you while you're biking. It's a bit scary, but like, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, and then we have another cycling track that's a 10K loop. So like I typically would go there if it's like my shorter rides and like speed-based. And then other ones are like for the long uh, endurance rides during the weekends. And then there's also like, so there's so many pools here, like, there is a NAS, there's something called NAS complex and it's like a 50 meter pool for all these athletes and it's only for athletes. So athletes under federation or like part of a national team from like a globally that could enter this, um, uh, this gym. And uh, yeah, no, like honestly, like I feel like it's like Dubai is she made for triathletes. Like, so I used to train in Toronto and Toronto was, was a disaster. Like it was, I would only train on my like indoor trainer. Anytime I'd go out and try bike, it was just a fiasco. Like it was, I would either fly off my bike, get into like an accident. Like it was just not an experience. Because uh, like think about it as like New York, you know, like it's like, it's so congested with humans and bikes and car. Like there was just never a really like a, a place for me to really train. And pool wise, like it wasn't very like, there wasn't that many pools. It was like, you'd have to go to like Ryerson University or to like the UFT like track. And like, you have to be like, it was a whole like complication. Um, so honestly, like I would say like Dubai is insane for training. Like it's like, I'm so blessed to be able to actually be able to train here. And like a lot of Olympians come and train here for the winter, um, because of the facilities that we have, and then they leave for the summer. Um, so honestly, like if you guys ever get the opportunity do come here, <laughs> like it's insane. What about, do you have training partners and is your coach local? So I do have train. So it's pretty cool. So the, 
the center I'm in, so that my coach is basically the head coach of a company called BR Performance. And BR Performance is a specific gym for triathletes and runners. So all the coaches there, there's a, there's a coach from Italy that's an Olympian, like he is an ex-Olympian swimmer. Uh, my coach is like the craziest endurance athlete like I've ever heard of in my life. Like one of his races, this is just one of them, was called the UAE Man. He, it's a, it was a three-day race. He swam 35 kilometers, then biked 350 kilometers with the, with the elevation of Everest. And then <laughs> he went and ran 100K all in three days. And I'm sitting, I'm like, wow, like, you're crazy. Like, this is insane. I think he actually made the Guinness World Record or something for something that I can't remember. Like, it's, um, and then we like each coach. So there's like, I want to say like five triathlon coaches. And each one's just more insane than the other. Like, they're, they're crazy. Um, and so, yeah, I do. So we have like a whole center and we're a whole bunch of triathletes, athletes. Uh, there's also runners, but like the runners don't really mix with the triathletes, like triathletes just because of our training um, like routines. And we train together basically every single day. Like we have our swims together. We have our bike sessions together. Uh, we have our track sessions together, uh, our sea swims together. Like it's, I'm so grateful because like a lot of people that go through this journey, I think they find it very lonely because it's, you know, like you're kind of, you're basically training alone most of the time. But I'm very grateful that I'm training with like insane athletes. Like their numbers are already like Olympian numbers. I'm like, wow, like this is crazy. So and my so to your question, is my coach local? No, he's Brazilian. Um, and he's but he's been living here for 15 years. So he's basically like turned into like a local at this point. <laughs> and Hannah, I wanted to ask you posted on Instagram recently um that training during Ramadan was a little bit tricky, I think is like how you put it. So Ramadan was observed in the UAE from kind of March 22nd to April 20th. And traditionally, I, I think this means that for the month you are fasting from sun up to some sundown. And fueling is obviously an important element of life for an athlete, especially one pursuing like an elite level athlete. So how did you approach, you know, Ramadan with being an athlete? How did that kind of go hand in hand for you? So it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> so I, when I, so my coach knew that I was going to be fasting and he's like, um, and he kind of warned me, he's like, kind of like your training is not going to be the same. Like don't expect your body to react the same, like take it easy. Like if you're not able to actually finish certain things, listen to your body. Like this period is very like difficult, like, because we basically don't drink any water, uh, nothing, no eating. There's, we're literally consuming nothing except air, uh, for like maybe a good, like, 16 to 18 19 hours like it's like a long duration um so after that like for me like initially I was like oh my god like I'm actually exhausted I didn't expect it to be that bad um and I struggled a lot like I actually changed my whole day like I was sleeping at 5 a.m waking up at 2 p.m and then training at night so I would train at like 3 a.m in the morning 4 a.m in the morning uh 10 p.m at night and for some reason my body was just not reacting well to it like I remember a lot of my sessions I was like seeing black dots and like I just felt horrible like it was it was really like it was really draining and so at that point my coach is like just take it easy do what you can uh because under the day you will injure yourself if you keep trying to push yourself in this state that you're in and for me it was kind of hard for me to actually sink that in I'm like no but don't look because it's like kind of you're gonna make it it's gonna happen but you also need to make sure you're not gonna injure yourself so I was like okay okay so I tried listening to as much as I can like I like in my head, I was like, let me keep pushing, pushing, pushing. But like, it was so hard. Like, it was so hard. Like, and I tried talking to other triathletes. I'm like, so how are you guys training? Like, how's that happening? They're like, oh, we're like taking like a recovery runs. I'm like, okay, like, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm going to stick to my plan. Uh, but you no, know, it was, it was, uh, I'm glad that Ramadan's over. <laughs> okay. You were the uh, subject of a recent movie called The Iron Woman. And I, um, I need some guidance on how to watch it. Alyssa was able to watch it, but I got into the metaverse. It's in the metaverse. I got a little, I logged in and then I like gave myself like motion sickness walking around and trying to get popcorn or something. And so first of all, tell us how to watch this movie. Can we start there? And then we'll talk about what's actually in the movie. So I think if I'm not mistaken, so there is a, like, there is a link and within this link I honestly am 100% sure but I'm pretty sure you just click the link and then you have to click the screen and then I, I think missed that part 
Yeah. Clicking the screen is that, so for our listeners, we'll post the link to the show in the show notes where you can go and you get an avatar and the default avatar is male. So, so I actually spent some time you can like upload a photo of yourself and it gives you an avatar that it thinks looks like you. So that was a little fun. And then if you go beyond that, it puts your avatar into the movie theater. And I think there were other people, the theater I was in wasn't full. And so I wasn't sure if those other people were like, fake avatars or other people, real people in the metaverse with me also watching this movie at the time. So I, it like turns on your microphone and stuff too. So I was very nervous through the whole thing. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't make it. It's like, there's other people in my movie theater. And then you, um, like Hannah said, so you can click once you're in the theater and you can see the screen, you click the screen and that should play the movie, but you can, you can like walk around. It's wild. I had never experienced the metaverse or anything like that before. So it was definitely, you know, an intriguing way to watch a movie. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. Like, I think it's like the first, one of the first like sports documentaries on the metaverse, which is pretty interesting. Like it's, uh, but for me, honestly, till this day, I don't understand the metaverse. I don't understand crypto. I don't understand any of that. Like, I'm just like, like, I even got books. I'm like, I need to understand this. Like, this is this is gonna be our future. And I read like five pages of these books, but like, it will happen. <laughs> like, it's like, it's a huge world out there. This whole metaverse thing. Like, people are yeah. buying the metaverse. But that's something that I'm still like, like how? Like, it's not, it's not real. <laughs> I need some like Dramamine to get through the metaverse. But um, I'm gonna figure out how to watch this. I think maybe I just uh. I never got where I could see the screen, but I will try again. I was also still male. I was like the default male. And I was like, <laughs> I need to, I, there's obviously some things, some steps I missed, but can you tell us more about the movie and, and making this movie, what that was like? So honestly, when I was approached, when I was approached with this, I, I like, I was screaming, like, I'm like, wait, what, like, you guys want to make a documentary about me? Like, why? <laughs> um, and it, like the lady, the, the director, Dana, she is, one of the sweetest 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 people ever we had a meeting and like our first meeting it was meant to be like a 20 minute meeting it lasted three hours um and we got even more excited about this documentary and so she was coming to a lot of my races uh filming like behind the scenes like obviously i was in my race i wasn't really like there focusing or doing anything like i was just doing my thing um and she was just following my journey for like a couple of months and now we're actually doing like a hopefully we're doing like a continuation from now till the big day. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this documentary was insane. Like even me watching it, I'm like, am I watching a movie of myself? Like, is this actually, is this happening? Like, like who would have like, thought? I'm just, I'm like, wow, this is, it's weird watching me on a screen. Like it's, it was insane. And it was me watching myself and talking about the things that like some of like the obstacles like, I went through. Like I remember one of, there was a race I had to like, I like, I saw that the Federation is there and I was like, I must best number ever. Like, I want to get the Federation's like eyes on me. That race, my chip fell off. And <laughs> like in, in the sea, not even like, not even like towards the end, like I was literally in the sea. I'm like, oh no. And this is one of the races where it was like a jungle, like a, people are just attacking people. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, there's no way. I'm sure they have like a spare. <laughs> so I go to this guy. I'm like, uh, like one of the, like the, um, like the volunteers or I'm not really sure who he was but like he was like supervising the events and I go to him I'm like my chip fell like can I have another one he's like no like that just is an automatic disqualification I was like okay yeah. well I'm grace uh so I went and I continued it like I just did it anyways and it was one of my best numbers ever I'm like why like <laughs> it could have been the day uh but I'm, I'm glad honestly it wasn't the day because it really pushed me for the like the next couple of months after that um, and I got even a better number after that. So like I was, and that was another race where it was like, that was like a qualifying race for me to actually join the team. Um, but like the movie in general was just, it was, it's, it's crazy. It was crazy to watch. Like I still like me thinking about it, it, it doesn't feel like it actually happened. I'm like, there's no way. Like, <laughs> and like, I'm just reminded by that, like on like a weekly basis, I'm like, wow. And like, like it's, I'm so grateful. Like end of the day, like throughout this whole journey, whatever does happen in the end, like I'm just so grateful for everything that has happened and um, hopefully it continues to happen and like I'm forever grateful for the, the people that, that believe in me and thought this was something that was worth say uh, telling you know like it was like uh, it was it, it's crazy like yeah 
And that film is part of a series, I think, of nine documentaries about women all over the world pursuing big goals that Donna is making. And I'm not sure if she will be putting them all into the metaverse, but it's good like to uh, incentive for people to figure that out because if, they, if that's how you watch them, you got to figure it out. Um, and Alyssa, you liked it, right? Like you got I, to like, you liked being in the metaverse. I thought it was definitely more interesting and fun than I expected. I would, I think I can see how people want the whole, like, isn't that what they get the goggles for eventually? So then you like really feel like you're in it. Right. Cause for it was a little bit. Or on no, a so I was on my computer and okay. maybe that so, was what I did wrong. I yeah, tried it on my phone. Oh, okay. So I was watching. Yeah. I was on my laptop. It was a little funny. Cause I was like, in the universe on like watching it on my laptop watching my avatar watch the movie screen and then I was like chromecasting that to my tv to like make it a little bigger (laughs) so it's like inception across all of the universes I think but um but yeah it was fun to play around I will I will continue checking it to see if the other uh documentaries come out but um Hannah Paris 2024 is only about 14 months away you have told us you have a lot of races kind of coming up in the meantime here. And I'm sure all of our listeners are excited to follow your journey and to cheer for you along the way. So what is the best way for everyone to follow you? Um, so I'd say, I think I, I actually just have one social media platform, um, which is Instagram. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> uh, so my Instagram name is Trihanathon. And like throughout all of that, like you'll see everything. Like I talk about every single loss every single win every every obstacle that I go through like it's like I want people to know the truth behind everything like it's not not like oh one day I just woke up and I got into the Olympics it's like no no there was there was a lot that happened throughout the whole thing um so I also try to stay as transparent and as honest as possible on that platform and that yeah that, I guess that would be the best place to go and support me <laughs> Hannah, thank you so much. Best of luck. We'll definitely include that Instagram link and instructions on how to watch the Iron Woman in the metaverse. Um, I'm I'm gonna get that done in the next couple of days. But thank you, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Like I, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for today. This was amazing. Thanks so much to Hannah for coming on and chatting with us. And good luck with all of your prep as you work towards hopefully racing in Paris in 2024. And Haley, good luck figuring out the metaverse. I think that's a tall order with Ironman training going on simultaneously, but I believe in you. I think you can do it. I am trying to make all my like, like just all my life, all obligations, obligations as little as possible for the next month. Um, But, you know, I do think that Hannah's video sounds so inspiring. I think the key is watching it on a desktop or like a laptop, a computer versus trying my phone. I think my phone was not the best interface for it. So I'm going to give it another try. I think it's only like a nine minute video. Right. And so I'm like, I got nine minutes to get pumped, you know, before, before one of my big sessions. So I'm going to, it sounds, I just loved listening from her, listening to her and hearing more of her story. And I I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, she was really fun to talk to. So I will definitely be cheering for her in the next year. And Haley, I wish you a week full of sunscreen there out in Bozeman. I know all the sunshine, you know, and um, lots of good vitamin D, you know, so I don't need to supplement so much anymore. It'd be great. Great problem to have. But Alyssa, you have a great week too. And I'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.